For those of you who don't know me, I'm David. I'm one of the worship leaders here, and I have the privilege of speaking to you and preaching every once in a while. Um, we're in John today, so if it's probably best if you partner up with a Bible buddy for this. Um, one of you will want to turn to Ezekiel 34, because we're in John. Um, that will make sense as we go on, I promise. Um, while you turn there, I'm going to explain a little bit about where we're going today. So this sermon I've entitled The Good Shepherd or Why Jesus Used Hashtags. Um, so I was asked the other day um, why I use hashtags and what I use them for. So um, hashtags draw are something used, they originate from Twitter. It's a way of tagging in a word to a sentence that you've put and it brings in a larger cultural framework so you're saying something and then you're going hashtag awkward and you're bringing in a whole idea of something else I've got a few examples because it's quite hard to explain I thought if I could show you it might be better so first one is one I've done it should come up on the screen but it's quite hard to see this screen so I will explain what it says so this is my bookcase at home. I put this on Facebook um, with the hashtag, hashtag shelfie. Um, so what it's doing here is, as some of you may know, there is a thing called a selfie, which is where you take a picture of yourself. Um, and I'm using that to, I nicked it from Lauren Laverne, for those who care. Um, but it's saying, this bookshelf says something about me. It is a bit like a self-portrait of my reading and my intellectual life. So it brings in the idea of something else and ties it onto it. Um, this next one is more topical. This is Snickers put this out quite recently. Uh, Snickers, more satisfying than Italian, hashtag Luis Suarez. <laughs> so bringing in the idea of taking a bite of something. Um, so... The reason I'm sharing this with you is because Jesus does very similar things. Jesus didn't speak into a cultural void. He bring, often when he shares something, he's bringing in a lot of the culture of the time in as well. So with this passage in John, he's talking about being a good shepherd. But what he's also doing is bringing in ideas from the Old Testament that the Jews of the time would have immediately picked up on. And we don't because we have a different view of it all. So the two, there are loads going on in John 10. We could look at Abraham and Moses and many of the prophets, but the two main ones that I see are hashtag David and hashtag Ezekiel. So David was the shepherd king. Um, if you don't know the story of David, he was found as a boy and anointed as king of Israel. When he was a boy, he was out keeping sheep for his father, so he was a shepherd. And he, as most of us know the story of David and Goliath, when the king of the time says to him, why do you, a young boy, think you can take on this champion that all my armies are scared of? David says in 1 Samuel 17, um, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So David's entire training for kingship and for fighting was, I was a shepherd. 
He then went on to become the most successful king of Israel, and his throne is used as shorthand for the rule of the coming Messiah throughout Old Testament prophetic literature. And the Messiah is promised to be of David's line. It often says, um, as we'll see in Ezekiel, it often says, my servant David, after David's dead. What it means by that is this coming person is going to be like David was um, in terms of kingdom, in terms of rule. Tom Wright goes as far to say that in the New Testament, when Jesus says shepherd, he is talking using the language of kings, which isn't something we would assume, but from the Old Testament, it is constantly referred to the shepherds are the leaders and the rulers of Israel. Um, So that's the sort of language we're talking about. Ezekiel is the next one. He um, was a prophet um, after David's wonderful rule of Israel, where it expanded and went massive, it fell and was taken into exile. We did a series on Daniel a while ago. Ezekiel is working at the same time as Daniel is set. Um, so for those who are around for that, we're talking similar sort of period. Um, and during Ezekiel 34, we are starting to see his gaze focus on the um, Israel. Israeli leaders. So this is the um, rulers of the kingdom at the time. So Ezekiel 34. It's a bit of a long passage, but as I say, Jesus relies heavily on on this with what he's saying. So I'm going to read it at length, and hopefully you'll pick up something when we move on to it. Okay. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Our shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they came for food for, for all the wild, they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered all over the mountains and every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth, with none to search or seek them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, And my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and will put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food. For thus says the Lord, behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will sink them out. As a shepherd seeks his flock when he is among his sheep, that they have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the inhabited places of this country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land and on the rich pasture, and they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice." 
As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between ram and male goats. It is not good enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture, and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet. And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet, and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns, till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock, they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set over them one, ser- one shepherd, my servant David, so that's the coming Messiah that we know, Jesus, um, and he shall free them. He shall free them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord God, um, I will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, and I have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land, so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and all the places around my hill a blessing, and I will send down showers in their season, and there shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in the land. And they shall know that I am the Lord, when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They shall be no more a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid, and I will provide for them renowned plantations, so they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, and no longer suffer the reproach of nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. So I recognise that's quite a long, path, uh, quite a long passage. Um, but I want to bring out some key points to that, and then we'll move on to John. So, the shepherd is both declared to be God and my servant David. So, this raises lots of questions. Mainly, how can someone be God and be God's servant? So, you've got this two-tier thing where it's both, which Jesus will come on to fulfil in being both man and God. So we see it come in there. But at the moment, there's this how-does-that-work sort of grappling thing. The shepherd comes to rule. The shepherd comes to deliver them from the hands of those who enslaved them so that none will make them afraid, and there will be showers of blessing, and he will banish the wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely. So the, the servant David, the Davidic shepherd, is God's replacement for the failed shepherds of Israel who had messed up their job and had let down Israel. Um, and he will come and he will do it properly and fully to, to do everything that they were meant to do but couldn't. Okay, John 10, the main chunk of where we're going. Um, this is Jesus has just finished last week. We looked at him healing the blind man. He's just done that. He is now moving on. Um, this follows directly on. There's no break. So he's still talking to the Pharisees that he was talking to last week. And he carries on like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, 
and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So that end bit, they're looking back to the previous chapter and saying, We know he opened the eyes of the blind. He can't be a demon. Um, Which is also because in the Old Testament, it says that God is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. So to say he opens the eyes of the blind and he's a demon, all the Jews around were going, that's impossible, because if he opens the eyes of the blind, he's from God. That's just given. Um, Before we go into the bulk of this, need to make some distinctions about what a shepherd is. Um, we have a very Western view of shepherds that in the Middle East, they don't. So I was trying to think of a way to explain this. We're going with toys. (laughs) So, Jamie, (laughs) would you like to give me your best sheep call? Jamie's going to be the Western shepherd. Um, So give your, your call to your sheep. Brilliant. Western Shepherd, sheep doddering around. Jamie's given his call. Sheepdog comes in, rounds up sheep into pen. Sheep gets locked away, can't go anywhere. Matt, do you want to be Middle Eastern Shepherd? (laughs) Can you do your best sheep call? <laughs> in the Middle East, the shepherd goes ahead, calls to the sheep, and the sheep run after the shepherd. And this is really important for us because I think quite often we can have this view of God as God is our shepherd. So we're doddering around a bit doing what we want, and God comes in and says, No, you need to go this way, go this way, and rounds us up and locks us up somewhere and goes, Right, now you can't escape and go and do what you want. I've got you here doing what I want. Whereas actually the, the picture of shepherding 
from the Middle East is one of Jesus goes ahead of us going, come on, I've got great things for you this way, and we follow after him because we know him and we trust him and we have relationship with him. Um, So he's not trying to hem us in. He's trying to release us and lead us on to something better. Okay. The basic premise of what Jesus is saying here is that the shepherd enters through the door and the sheep will follow him. And the thief and the robber jump the fence. He's bringing in language from Ezekiel that we've just read. So the shepherd language, he's talking about ruling and reigning. Um, and he's talking to the Pharisees, who are the current leaders of Israel. So he's, there's this slight hint at, in Ezekiel where it says, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep. He's bringing in that, quite, that hint of a rebuke at this stage. Um, so this is quite controversial at best. Um, he's using language that speaks of kingship and provision. At this stage, he's hinting that the Pharisees are thieves and robbers, which probably doesn't go down well, but he hasn't said it outright. Um, and he's hinting that he is the, the rightful shepherd. He is the Davidic shepherd, which is also, as we've seen, because the Davidic shepherd is linked with God, he's making a claim to divinity. He's saying, I am God, um, which is quite... He, people normally try to kill him when he says that, so it's quite a bold statement. In fact, church history tells us that James, who was Jesus' brother, was asked at one point, um, what did Jesus mean when he said he was the gate? And James answered with similar terms to what Jesus says in this passage. So they chucked him off the top of the temple, and then when he wasn't dead, they stoned him. So this is language, and this is claims that provoke an extreme response um, So remove from your mind the idea of shepherd that is a young boy who cuddles a sheep and replace it with the guy that beats down lions and rules and reigns over his sheep, bringing them into a relationship with him that they would follow him. And that's what the challenge is here. Luckily for Jesus, they didn't understand what he was saying. I I imagine myself as one of the disciples at this point being like, what are you saying? We've done this before, and they got really angry. Let's not do this again. And then the Pharisees are like, what on earth do you mean? And they're like, phew, they didn't get it. We can go away. So then in verse 7, so Jesus said to them again, I'm just like, come on. You've got away with it. Leave it. You're not going to die today, and it's fine. But Jesus goes on to explain his point in complete detail. So he's got lots of statements about who he is in this. First one, I am the door. If you don't go through Jesus, you're not going in. This is a direct challenge to the Pharisees he's talking to. They are constantly saying Jesus is not the way. So for Jesus to stand up and say, I am the only way, is also saying, and you Pharisees, you're jumping the fence. You're thieves, you're robbers, and you have come to kill and destroy the people you're meant to be taking care of. That is strong language. He then goes on to say, I am the shepherd. He's laying claim to the Davidic mantle of of the good shepherd. He's saying, I am the true leader of my people. I am the, the king and the shepherd that is meant to reign over them. This is what he says constantly throughout his time on earth. 
and why people are constantly accusing him of rebellion and trying to get him killed. But he goes on to say, I come to bring abundant life. Now, he doesn't really flesh that out in this passage. He just says, I come to bring abundant life. But he's using language all the way through that link back to this Ezekiel passage we've just read. And in Ezekiel, we see a whole chunk of it talking about what the coming Messiah is going to bring. And it is a land where their yokes are broken. So the, uh, the things that have kept them enslaved and have kept them downtrodden are broken off them and they are freed into a new life. Um, a life that is led, led by the Good Shepherd, led by God himself who cares for them and feeds them and brings them into good pastures. So it compares the, the two things. So when Jesus says, I come to bring abundant life, he is talking about something so far beyond what, we, what they would have experienced at all. He's saying, I'm bringing you into something new, to something great, a period of blessing. He talks about showers of blessing coming down on his people. And then he goes on to explain how this happens. He says, I lay down my life. This is the point in John where it starts to become more focused on what Jesus sees as the end game of his ministry. So he talks a lot now and now onwards about his death and his resurrection. So he's saying, I know where I'm going. I've come here that out of love for the sheep, I will lay down my life in their place. This is the start of that, I'm going to the cross. Um, This quite similar language to, as I was saying earlier about David, um, who said when the sheep came and were attacked by wolves and lions, he would go out to meet them. This is sort of taking that and taking it a step further. So it's, he's not only going out, he is laying down his life to protect the sheep. And he likens it to that of a hired hand. So you pay someone in, they don't care about the sheep, they care about their wage. So if something comes to attack them, they are gone. Because why would you hang around and die for something that you don't care anything about? And Jesus is contrasting that to his love, saying, I am not here because I, I have to be. I am not here because I am paid to be. I am here because I love my sheep and I will do anything that it takes to protect them. He has this wonderful throw-aside comment, which for the Jews would have been weird and for us is the most wonderful, wonderful news in the world. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And... I don't think we can overestimate how huge this statement is. So what he's doing is he's saying to the Jews of the time, this is wider than ethnic Israel. So in the Old Testament, God called a people, and that people was the Jewish nation. And their story is followed throughout the Old Testament. And it is always said that what he is doing in them is meant to go out to all nations, But throughout the Old Testament, that's never fulfilled. It's just, there are a few bits here and there, but on the whole, it is Israel that God works with. And at the time of the New Testament, when Jesus is speaking, this was relatively the accepted wisdom, was that God's people were Israel. They were the Jews. They didn't really go beyond that. 
This is so, what Jesus is saying is it will go beyond that. The biblical language throughout the New Testament is of opening up to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are anyone who was not born Jewish, which, given that we're in England, is probably everyone in this room. Um, If it wasn't for this statement, all of this would be good news for someone, but probably not for us. But this is Jesus saying, I have opened it up and I am starting with Israel. I have come to the Jews. Jesus was Jewish, but he is opening it up so that we are brought into that. The Bible starts to use language of being grafted into the same tree and things like this. We, we are made one with them in the same promise. And for us, that is huge. It then goes on to become in, come in Acts, the major fault line of the church. All the early arguments are around, are, do Christians have to be Jews, or are they allowed to just become Christians? Like This is a massive deal to them, but this is Jesus opening it up so that we can be included in the promise as well. And then he goes on to say, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. So we looked earlier, he said, I lay down my life, I have come that I would give up my life for the sheep. He's moving on to say, there's more to it than that. I'm going to come back. I'm going to be the first resurrection as well. Um, This brings in all sorts of fulfillments of promises and stuff like that. Basically, for us, it just means that his death and his resurrection come as one. Um, Paul talks about things like, um, if Christ is dead, then we have no hope. His resurrection is part of the package because in his new life, we have new life. And it is part of that. We cannot at all, biblically, explain away the resurrection as it sounds weird, it probably didn't happen. It happened, or we stand no chance. Um, So it happened. (laughs) This whole dialogue that Jesus is happening is full of game changers. So... The Jewish view of the Messiah went as fall happened here. So humanity sinned. We mucked it up. Fallen earth. Everything is bad. Everything is not quite what it should be. And then Messiah comes. Everything changes. The idea was the Messiah would come and would return Israel to what it was in David's time. So they saw a physical expansion of the kingdom of God. In the New Testament era, they assumed that the Messiah would come and would take the place of Rome. So Rome had taken over and had, had put itself in authority over pretty much everything, but Israel was part of this. Um, and they thought the Messiah would come and would, in the physical sense, would rule. He would become the new king. And there would be a never-ending physical kingdom of Israel. What Jesus says is, I am the shepherd. I am the one who brings this into being. I am the Messiah. And I do that by dying. So if your view is that Jesus is going to come and is going to take over and bring about a physical restoration of your country and he then says I'm going to die to make that happen you're immediately going to go this can't be right because if you're going to be a king on earth you have to be alive 
It's just sort of like, with our monarchy, if Prince Charles dies before the Queen abdicates or, or dies herself, he doesn't become king. It falls to his kid. It's the same here. If, if Jesus is dead, how on earth is he going to be king? And he then says, I'm going to rise again. And again, the Jews had this view of the Messiah would come and everything would change. So that meant resurrection of the dead for everyone. But it didn't mean that one person would die and rise again in the middle of history with a whole period after it, before everybody else came as well. So there's this sense of, we get what you're saying, but what you're saying isn't what the Old Testament says. And Jesus is coming and saying, you've misunderstood This is what the Old Testament says. I am coming. I will die. I will rise again. And with that, I will bring in, spiritually, the new kingdom. And it is on a spiritual level that we now see this today. And it is coming in the physical. There will be a day of new creation. And there will be a day where heaven and earth meet. And when we are joined in resurrection bodies that are perfect and there will be a time where there is no sickness and there will be a time where all of the fallen nature of humanity is restored to the perfection that Jesus and God first created us with but but to start with there is a spiritual new life this is the gospel that that we have the good news that we have that once we were bound in sin, once we were slaves to, to the corrupt nature of, of our flesh, is the biblical way of talking about it. Um, once we, we couldn't choose to run after God, we were always choosing to run after our own desires. But Jesus comes and he says, I have died, I have risen again, and I bring new life, abundant life. For you. So, what Jesus is doing here is saying, I have come. I am the king of my people, Jewish and Gentile. I will bring you together into one church and I will lead you. I will call you on to follow me. And in that, I will bring you new life. I will bring you abundant life. You will know me by name. There will be relationship. And, and I will live amongst you. All of that is linked in here. And it all links back to Ezekiel. Um, which I actually have to find the verse of. <laughs> um, So he said all of this stuff, and it all links back to what Ezekiel was saying. It's, I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them, the church, and all the places around them a blessing, and I will send down showers in their season, and they will be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, And the earth shall yield its increase. 
They shall know that I am the Lord because I have broken the bars of their yoke and I will deliver them from the hands of those who have enslaved them. We know that this is not talking about Rome. We know that this is talking about us at a heart level. And we have abundant life because of that. I'm going to invite the band to come up. If you'd like to, to stand, um, I'm just going to pray and then we're, we're going to move into a time of worship. <laughs> yeah, Lord, thank you that you came for us, Lord. Thank you that you do not hem us in, but you lead us on. You call us on to something in relationship. And you make that possible because you love us so much you laid down your life, Lord. Thank you that, that you came out of love, that you laid down your life, that you rose again, that you beat down the lion and the bear, that there is no more yoke of enslavement, but there is abundant life. In, in everything that you've done for us. Lord, thank you that you said, you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. Amen. Amen.